Warning! The Dub Talk podcast contains strong language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Also, there's the possibility that spoilers for the first five episodes of SSSS Gridman will be discussed, so please be careful if you've yet to watch and don't wish to be spoiled. And finally, the views and opinions expressed here are that of the individual participants and do not reflect upon the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. Well, now that we got that out of the way, I'm ready to take it nice and easy and... Oh my god, the city's under attack! A giant kaiju is attacking the city and... Why? Why does it look so... Cheesy? Welp. There's only one thing left to do. Access code! Gridman! The evil Kilo Khan lives inside computer circuits. With the help of Malcolm Frink, he creates megavirus monsters to attack electronic systems. Meanwhile, a freak accident turns Sam Collins into Servo. His friends join forces in their samurai's attack vehicles. Together, they transform into the Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Dub Talk, the show where a bunch of nerds get together and talk about a recent dub or dub announcement. Today, we're taking the Wayback Machine all the way to 1993, where we get, <clears throat> where we get our Dunkaroos and sit around the television for Gridman. Uh, uh, excuse excuse me, sir. <clears throat> I believe you're talking about Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. Or, you know, S. Gridman. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, if you, if you think I'm going to call this, like, SSSS Gridman the entire episode, like, you are mistaken. That is hard. Just say S to the fourth power, Gridman. Just like, we're just going to call Gridman. S4 Gridman is fine. But, yeah. Today we are covering Gridman. Based on the Tokusatsu series, uh, Denka Chojin Gridman. Gridman the Hyper Agent. Denka Chojin? Wait, what is... So is that just mean Hyper Agents in Japanese? Something like that. Okay. So... More or less, it is an old tokusatsu property from... Uh, I want to say Suburaya? Suburaya, yep. Okay. Uh, inexplicably brought over to the U.S. by Deke oh, as uh, Superhuman <laughs> Samurai Cyber Squad with not Joey Lawrence, his brother. Matthew. Matthew Lawrence, thank you. So it sounds like it's very much a thing that a lot of 90s kids, not only in Japan would know, but a lot of Westerners who grew up with this localized variation of the show oh yeah like it it was really lo-fi for its time it was basically syndicated for the longest time until like abc picked it up i remember watching this like saturday mornings at like seven in the morning because my parents weren't awake to uh to get me in trouble for watching power rangers 
So, not only are you our uh, resident uh, tokusatsu shill on the podcast, you also have a fair amount of history with the original uh, show that was brought over to the States. Is that right? Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of memory of the show itself and its subject material. Like the good news is, the good news is, there it doesn't seem like a lot of that is particularly necessary to enjoy slash appreciate this new um, anime reimagining by who exactly? Oh, I'm glad you asked. This is from Studio Trigger. Yeah, those guys. They've done all those things that aren't Evangelion. And, um, little interesting thing about the director. One, Akira Amamiya. Okay. He's done a couple, he's done a couple other projects for Trigger. Inferno Cop! Mm-hmm. Not Inferno to mention... Inferno Cop and Ninja Slayer. Like and the two- Ninja Slayer. Yeah, um, so, uh, before we go any further, uh, you should probably tell the audience who we are. <laughs> that is a good point! <laughs> okay, shit. Oh, I got a little bit of... <laughs> It's fine. <laughs> got a little too far reminiscing on myself. I forgot to introduce my crew for this, for this trip way back. Uh, let's start... <clears throat> Allow me to introduce my Gridman Alliance. First off, Chet. Go, go, good man, Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, we have Jamal. It's Gridman time! <laughs> you started it, Chet. <laughs> and last but not least, we have Andrew. Access code, Gridman action figure. Ready to buy at your local supermarket. Available from <laughs> okay, Master. <laughs> uh, available from Taco Toby mm. or Bandai. <laughs> uh, I can't believe you buy compact computers. I can't believe oh. it's not Transformers. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, but, uh, there are okay, like uh, fun little fact. There are like Transformers references throughout this show. There are references to other tokusatsu throughout this show. This show has a lot of Easter eggs, by the way. Quite a lot of them to a plethora of different properties. We'll try and see if we can mention as many as we can stumble upon in regards to conversation. But, uh, you guys probably want to know what this show is about, don't you? Yeah, I also would like to know, what is the show about? All right, a plot description courtesy of Anime News Network. Yuta Hibiki awakens with amnesia and the ability to see things that others cannot. He first encounters a grid man in the reflection of his friend Rika Takarada's computer and it tells him to remember his calling. But Yuta doesn't understand what this means. Later, in the distance, he sees an extremely large monster, but it doesn't move. It's only when Yuta gets to school that the two sightings make sense. A monster attacks and the hero Yuta saw on the computer screen pulls him within the computer and transforms Yuta into a giant hero named Gridman. And one thing I've got to note is, like, the monster designs and the animation, like, it really takes advantage of the sort of rubber suit tokusatsu 
elements of the original Gridman and, like, Ultraman. Like, everything... Mm -hmm. Everything is specifically designed to, you know, allow Gridman or Ultraman to really get rough with the monsters and not hurt the actor inside. Oh, yeah, yeah like, I, I particularly like the designs for the monsters, how, like, the CG is looks classic in a way that kind of feels like a rubber suit monster. I really appreciate that. I like the yeah. fact that, like, the CG looks intentionally almost a little stiff and cheesy in regards to just... This feels like... This feels like somebody animated a 90s tokusatsu like sentai action show and that is definitely a feat in itself i when when i saw the name akira amamiya attached to the show my immediate thought was oh crap are we straight up doing inferno cop again that was my first uh thought my second thought was okay is this gonna be ninja slayer where it's like it kind of baits people into thinking it's a serious show, but it's actually just the Inferno Cop shtick again, but in my personal opinion, not as good? Like... Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I mean, I know that's kind of what we know him for these days, but he has done, like, actual anime before. It's just been a very long time. See, here's the thing. I'm... In hindsight, I'm aware that this is somebody who is an anime director and has an idea of what they're doing. I just kind of forgot about it because when I associate him with Trigger, my immediate thought was this is something that was probably made for less than $2,000 and took at least an hour to make. That's yeah, I, I, yeah. I, see, I would have worried, but like I saw the first show, I was like, okay, this is going to be like an actual thing. But then, so. but then it sh turned out it was an actual thing and like... The framing of all these shots, like, the way this anime looks, like, the shot composition, the aesthetic of it, the character designs, the frickin' atmosphere, sound design, there's some really solid, like, world building going on, and just the designs. This is a cool, weird world, and it's like, there's a lot of mystery to it, but it just... There's something about the show that really pulled me in, and there's a lot of different things that I think somebody can get watching from the show. If you want, like, a mystery, if you want nostalgic tokusatsu, if you want really interesting character drama or really funny character interactions, you get all that. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, uh... Fun as all that is, we are technically here to talk about the dub, so I guess we should go do that. We'll talk about more of the show when we talk about it proper, but yeah, yes, let's get to as that. we move along. Alright, so beginning off, we have our ADR staff. And boy, it like this was amazing sounding on paper. But we'll we'll get to our opinions in a sec. Alright, so starting off with our director, we have one Clifford Chapin. Uh, you would know his directorial work from Akiba's Trip, Allison Zoroku, Darling in the Franks, Planetarian, and he was off and on main director and assistant director for Yona of the Dawn. As for our script writer, we have Clayton Browning. Uh, you would know his script writing from such shows as Concrete Revolucio, Hanebad, Kankole, Lord of Vermilion, 
and the second season of The Silver Guardian. Uh, so right. we will be we will be starting this off with Jet. How did you feel about the direction and script writing? Okay, um, so I had a feeling this was one of Clifford Chapin's projects for the season since, uh, okay, so like right before the season began, he like tweeted that he was working on a show and he was like six episodes into it. So my immediate thought was, okay, going by what I know about like production schedules, it has to be either this or Double Decker and someone else is on Double Decker. So I figured it had to be him and it was him. And uh, it was a good thing because he's usually pretty reliable. Uh, his work on that other Trigger Mecha show this year was uh, easily the strongest of funny Simon does for me this year, uh, even if I didn't really care much for the show itself. And uh, this is off to an equally strong start. I really like what I've heard of the performances so far, and I especially appreciate that each character sounds like distinctive enough that you can tell who's who even when you aren't looking at the screen. And, uh... While well, we haven't, you know, had the chance to see the actors pull off any majorly dramatic beats, uh, they've been doing really great so far, and I really kind of appreciate how natural a lot of the acting is for, like, the teenagers. That feels really refreshing for an anime thing. And, um, as for the script, uh, so, with me, I usually try to watch a little bit of the subversion first when evaluating a simuldub or... Uh, at the very least, I might, like, play the subtitles over the dub track just to compare the translation. Uh, but since this was a same-day simuldub and Funimation's video player doesn't really let me put subtitles over the dub track, uh, I decided to just put my favorite ADR staff here, and, uh, it helps that Clifford Chapin is, uh, generally pretty good about, uh, sticking to the script for his stuff and trying to keep things as accurate as possible. Uh, so I trusted that him and Clayton Browning would do well with that, and so far I've been enjoying it. Uh, aside from uh, aside from a couple of things to make the cast sound more like actual teenagers, uh, there wasn't anything in the script that felt like it would have been too out of place, so I've been enjoying it so far. On both fronts, I've definitely got to get this good props. It's great. Uh, Jamal? Yeah, I, I too had the same thought as Jet did, except... I thought it was either going to be this or rewrite it. And it's a good thing you brought up Occupus Trip because this is not his first go-around with same-day simuldubs because, like, I think that had a harder question than this, but Occupus Trip had so much going on in that show, whereas the other Trigger show he did, uh, what was it? Uh, Darling and uh, Because that, because like Jet said, the dub was really good. It's just I had a hard time really keeping into the show. Uh, but Cliff, gotcha. Cliff matches, yeah. But Cliff matches to put out a very impressive effort. The casting is pretty straightforward. I, I don't really, I didn't really find anything out of place. Uh, and the Clayton script writing is, really works too. I have no problems with script writing whatsoever. I, and right now it's really hard to nitpick on the dub, but the show itself, I'm gonna wait till final thoughts. So, okay. That's fair. Uh, Andrew? Okay, so, um, if we're going off of predictions that we're not talking about, I like I said, Clifford Chapin was indeed one of mine solely because he was like, oh, I had, like, the my next project, I had several of the episodes way early, and I actually heard something along the lines that, like, Gridman was actually, like, pretty far along in production compared to, like, 
a lot of other trigger stuff that's usually done a little, like, closer to the mark. Yeah, I mean, I think they said it was, like, basically done already. I mean, yeah, which was pretty interesting <laughs> when I heard that. Which, which definitely makes a lot of sense, but either way, it's just interesting to me regardless. That being said, there's a lot going on in regards to the sound design of this. Like, more than just, like, the direction of the performances and the things the actors are saying. I really really impressed by like the sound mixing and the engineering of a lot of the surrounding parts of the world like a lot of the early episode is like just the ambience of school the sound of cicadas clubs going on choir and yeah. band clubs like just all that stuff like it especially makes a lot of like the punchier more dramatic moments really hit harder is when you just hear the ambience of summer and there's no like dramatic music cue when you see oh my god there's kaiju all over the city it's just pans up just a giant kaiju and smoke and you're just kind of sitting with it and yeah, that's really uh, interesting to me yeah it reminds me of, like one of my favorite like little bits from the opening which is just like you see all the, like, you see all this mecha and kaiju stuff in the background, just, like, playing over really ordinary stuff, and I thought that was a really nice touch. It's like, the world around it is just so oblivious to all this actual stuff. Yeah. And I think that's really yeah. interesting. Also, like, just the, I love the goddamn sound design when it's basically revealed that, oh no, Okane's a psycho. I love, I love that scene! So much where he just knocks into her, the juice squeezes, he's just like, yeah, walks away, and just the goddamn uh fisheye lens of her weird eyeballs poking out, and just the squeezing of the juice as you just hear like the clubs going on and just say nothing else. I'm like, oh, oh, that's really cool. That's really cool. Okay, but yeah, like the sound design in the show is phenomenal and i want to give props to that aspect because i think that's a very underrated thing that we ourselves don't always give proper praise to that being said mm. um the performances from all of the actors and the direction is pretty astounding like i'm very used to clifford chapin very much being like a Alright, whatever the hell he works on, I'm going to probably be pretty impressed by. Or I'm going to think, oh, okay, that's about what I expect of good quality. But I'm particularly impressed by this one in particular. There's there's a lot of very subtle, unique, complicated performances by several actors in particular that have really, really stood out to me as some very, like, very sta standouts of the season probably of the year even and everything sounds so natural as well as like the action is really cool on point and interesting the script is solid i like a lot of the things that are said by the characters i'll mention more of the actual script when i mention some of them but the script's funny it's punchy the dialogue flows naturally yeah. like stuff that seems like it would be very repetitive like talking about what is amnesia or just taking a kid to amnesia it's just it feels very natural and choppy and just not not choppy natural and punchy that's the word i'm looking for it's just 
I'm very impressed by this product overall as a whole. Like, I'm very much used to a lot of uh, cliff stuff being pretty good. I'm very impressed by this one. Yeah, um, going off what you guys have been saying, one thing I have to definitely give props to in terms of direction and script writing is the world itself feels alive. Like, every, every voice, every sound effect, it has its purpose within the narrative. And, like, one of the most important things for me is, in terms of the script writing... The child characters, they sound like kids. Like, if the kaiju weren't attacking, they'd be, like, doing dumb stuff every weekend after school. And, like, all of it just felt really natural. And, yeah, like Andrew was saying, the sound design overall is top-notch. Like, this, to me, is probably one of the closest shows that has come to basically the ambiance of Evangelion. Which is re... It's one of what? those things that is, like, really hard to pull off. Hey, you guys! Is this an anime that's like Evangelion? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, well, I, I... Look, I like it. Here's the thing. I believe you're correct. I just find it personally amusing that every time there is a mecha trigger show everybody's immediate thought was, oh, is this an Evangelion? What? Okay, okay, I mean, okay, okay, in fairness with Franks, that one was, like, literally straight up trying to repay that, so, like, that that wasn't just an, oh, is this a Evangelion? It's like, of course it is. It's just, <laughs> this, is not, this is more like, oh, it kind of reminds me of that, too. It's like, <laughs> I, there's a lot of mecha stuff, and Ava's not the only one. But wait a minute, here's a question for you. Would you even consider Gridman mecha? That's a good question, actually. Um, I mean, I mean, the first episode, like the first episode, felt like a very typical mecha. Show. Well, not a typical mecha show to me, but like a very quiet mecha show. It feels like it has a lot of the the makings of other mecha anime, though it technically isn't. Yeah, I, yeah, I would say like the first episode felt very much like the setup to a like serious mecha anime and the rest of it has been like the rest of it has been a mix between like grounded character stuff and saturday morning cartoon. honestly it felt more ultraman than mecha to me so uh, i think that okay like it's kind of like three okay, different shows in a way when i think about it it's yeah you know, they all somehow come together and work very well for the most part which surprises me yeah anyway, anyways yeah yeah, it's a very, very complicated product that we're getting. It's it's really fun. But in any case, like, character portrayals are, like, really good, too. And I'll, I'll be getting to each of the ones that I've really liked as the episode goes on. But in particular, like, there was... There was a performance. I don't remember the character's name, but she was in the uh, she was in the first episode and played by Danny Chambers. Like I think she's the captain of the volleyball team. Yeah. Uh, like okay, that. I know I know exactly which one you're like, talking about. I think it was Toinkawa or something like that. Yeah. Toinkawa. There we go. But um, like the whole thing with the volleyball team, like that felt alive. And then when the monster attacks and, you know, destroys destroys the gym with all of them inside, like, that was 
Like, that was really intense. And also, can we talk about that scene where it's just, like, the volleyball knocks her really, like, tasty-looking hot dog out of her hand, and the scene is dead quiet. It's dead quiet, and, like, rewatching it today, I realized, without even knowing that, like, Akane was who Akane was at that point in the series. It was like, oh my god, this scene is really lingering long. I'm very uncomfortable right now, but you can tell somebody fucked up big. Yeah, and like, and even the scene Andrew was talking about with uh, with the homeroom teacher, played by J. Michael Tatum. Was that Tatum? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was Tatum. That was definitely Tatum. I thought so. I just did see him credited. Okay. And like, his interactions with Akane before and after the scene where he bumps into her, like, that... I guess this is a long roundabout way of saying, like, the world of Gridman feels alive. Clifford Chapin did a really good job. Clayton Browning nailed the characters. And, like, all around, the actors sound like they knew what they wanted to get out of the characters. So, all around, really solid job. Actually, since I was also giving props to the engineering and, and sound design, uh, props to Manuel Ar Araga... Oh, God. Aragon. your names. Aragon, Benjamin Tarani, Gino Palencia, and Nathaniel Harrison, since I see you're all credited here, too. This project sounds great. Yes. Y'all de deserve praise, too. Thank you very much. Yeah, like, we... We as Dub Talk... We're trying to do better about it now, but, like, in the past, we really haven't given the engineering crews their due. But, like, this is one of those shows where everything came together in a way that just, it felt alive. That's the only way I can describe it. Mm -hmm. uh, but in any case, we need to move on to our first group of characters. And these are Gridman's allies in the fight against the kaiju. Okay, so y'all... Okay, can, can we talk about what this wait, 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 before we say that, I want to lead into that. I know I was making a joke about the fact that not every mecha trigger anime is Evangelion, and this next group is not helping my case at all. I have it, I have it written down right here. They are the Neon Genesis Studios. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, the... Neon Genesis High. Junior High. I, speaking of which, <laughs> I don't buy that at least one, two of those characters are Junior High. Like, I don't all either. but one, Andrew. Like, all but one. They look like grown adults. Yeah. So, who are our Junior High students? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so first of all, we have the eccentric Samurai Caliber, who basically just walks around town with, like, three katanas at his back. Four. Four. Just walk... Four katanas, thank you. Just Can never have enough around... katanas. He's just walking around town like he's constantly looking for a grant from the Ministry of Silly Walks. And he is... When he merges with Gridman, he forms a giant sword. A guy which, with swords makes a sword. Who'd have thunk it? Which turns Gridman into Gridman Caliber. It's so cool. It's so cool. And uh, Max 
is the big guy of the group. He has he has a face mask. He has long bluish hair. He's the team dad. And he's basically the team dad. He's not and, basically. He is the team dad. <laughs> and when he enters into Junk, the computer that basically forms Gridman and all of his ally vehicles, uh, he forms a giant pair of fists for Gridman, which creates Max Gridman. It's so cool. Oh, oh, I just got that. Yep. Max Gridman. Fuck. Okay. Uh, Boar, who is basically he's basically like the smallest member of the group he's feisty and like he he gets a lot of great one-liners which by the way it has to be mentioned that both uh both suburaya and the actor who plays boar have confirmed the character is indeed male and when he enters into junk um god i can't remember the the name of the form he he creates with Gridman. Well, he becomes the drill well, that will pierce the heavens. That's where Boar's name comes from. You know, to bore, to drill. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah I actually didn't get that. I did. I don't get it either. Uh, Boar is no, in putting a hole yeah, in I'm, something. Yeah. Oh, god yeah. damn it. I, I, I said I did get it. Ah. Andrew and then there's so. and then there's Veet and he doesn't matter. And and Vit he, he shows up. He he's he yeah, rides doing, the van. He's probably gonna he's probably gonna do something like he's probably going to be very important next week. I mean and make me eat my words. It, That's how this usually goes. Here's the thing, he does have a form you see in episode four, but only for a few seconds. No, I mean, I mean, all of them have forms. We just haven't actually seen him get his one-off moment yet. Yeah. Yeah, isn't he like a plane? He's a a, a veto or a veto fighter jet. Okay, there uh, we go. I guess we, I guess we just, I guess we just don't know what his form does yet. Okay, everybody's name is a pun. Okay, got it. There you go. All right. All right. So. Playing our four members of Neon Genesis Junior High, uh, Samurai Caliber is played by Ian Sinclair. You would know Ian Sinclair as Hijikata Toshizo in Drifters. He's Saichi Sugimoto in Golden Kamui. He's Ox in Juni Tyson. And Orong in Last Exile, Fan the Silverwing. Max is played by Chris George. You would know him as the narrator in both Black Clover and Legend of Galactic Heroes, Dinoya Tesa. He is also Nishigori in Yuri on Ice, Ugo in Yormangan, and Tetsuo Takahashi in Interviews with Monster Girls. Uh, Boar is played by Afia Yu. Uh, you would know her as Spinal Sun in Kirk After Sakura Clear Card, Rita in Bridge of Bahamut Genesis, Akame Mizuno in Tsukigakirei, and Ryo Nakamura in Assassination Classroom. Uh, Vit is played by Chris Burnett. You would know him as Toru Muto in Shiki. Uh, he is Yoichi Satome in Seraph of the End. Uh, Hiroto Mehara in Assassination Classroom. And Itsuki Tomafusa in Blood Sea. Uh, so Jet, why don't you start us off? Okay, um... 
So I don't really have much to say about Chris Burnett as Vint since, like we said, Vint has kind of been in the background compared to the others as of episode 5. And uh, he doesn't like sound quite as distinctive as the others, but I mean, he's been pleasant enough to listen to so far, so... Like, hopefully he'll get some time in the spotlight soon and we'll get to see what his transformation does, because I really want to know what it does. Um, Afia Yu as Boar has, uh, that one's been really interesting for me since, like, weirdly, I don't think I've heard her play an androgynous character before. I mean, I know she probably has. I just oh, she absolutely Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I've been like, so I've been enjoying that so far, and uh, it helps that Boar's personality definitely, like, stands out the most among these guys, since, you know, he has a lot of, like, bluster and bravado to him, like, he's very confident. He, and Alfie handles that. He is he, he is the uh to make another obvious comparison. He is the nonon jacuzzi of the group. Uh, okay, yeah, that seems pretty accurate. <laughs> uh, anyway, like Alfie handles all that pretty well. Like my favorite like little moment of her is probably being at the end of episode five, where like okay, where Bora complains about not getting to use his drills, and then there's like a little side note where. So, where I think it's like Max says, like, oh, like, oh, the drills are actually just for show, they don't really do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought that was pretty funny for, like, a little blink and you miss it joke, and, uh, it definitely kind of helped with the whole Saturday morning cartoon vibe that the show is partially going for. Mm-hmm. And, uh, likewise, I've really been enjoying Chris George's Max since, uh, Chris George has, like, a really strong, natural presence to his voice, and, uh, his deep, booming tone definitely makes for a good contrast to the other Neon Genesis guys. And, uh, I guess that certainly helps since I guess he's their leader. Like, they haven't been super clear about that, but I guess he's the leader. But my favorite of the bunch is definitely Samurai Caliber, and that is largely aided by Aid Sinclair's performance. Uh, Samurai Caliber is a man of few words and generally comes off as comically deadpan in regards to, uh, you know, how apathetic he is towards the world around him. Like, <laughs> But, you know, like how he's just constantly bumping into things. And um, Ian Sinclair's delivery of said deadpan has been pretty hysterical so far. Like, especially that bit where he's just, like, standing around his school waiting for he and the others to get out. <laughs> and it's like, wait. <laughs> uh, of course, there are a few moments where we do get, like, you know, we get to see Samurai Caliber get, you know, pretty passionate and loud. And um, Ian Sinclair handles that pretty well, too. And it's been a delight to listen to so far. Uh, all four of these all four of these performances are real good. Uh, Jamal, yeah, yeah, I find he doing pretty well. I mean, they when they get the moment to shine is when they stand out, but whether that in action, they, they kind of serve as like slight comic relief, especially Boar. When you first introduce them in episode two, and Yuta doesn't understand what's going on, and he's on the phone with Utsumi, and Boar just decides to kick him right in the shins, like. <laughs> Uh, it's kind of funny, but Alfie does a very good job playing this character. I mean, I mean, it's nothing new for Alfie. She can do this easily. Uh, fit? I mean, it's cool, dude. You don't say much, but... Well, hopefully we'll find out what goes on with him later on. Uh, Max? When I first heard that, I knew right off the bat that was Chris George, because I can identify him anywhere, unless he and Tyson are in the same scene together. I, I did kind of think it was Tyson when I first heard it, too. Yeah. But, yeah, he's not... But pretty much, Chris is not in charge, and I think it kind of suits him very well. 
uh, Samurai Cowboy Ian, uh, it's kind of funny because we're going to get to hit, get to this part with the next character, but when Roots was making his list and he put Mysterious Boy, I was like, wait, no, that's not him. But I know there was a different character. Anyway, he did a pretty good job. Played Samurai Caliber. He's kind of moot. And he only talks when he needs to talk. Why is he just chilling out looking creepy? You know, entirely understand what the deal is. But he is very helpful with the team. And he does a very good job with his character. I, I don't really have much to say. It's kind of... There's not really much to say with these groups in general. I mean, they do their part for the most part. Okay. I disagree that there's not a lot to say, but I'll start. I'll start from the bottom. Um, Chris, Chris Therm. Okay, in describing Boar, Max, and Vit, I I describe them as following: Vit, a boy. Boar, a very good boy. Max, a very strong boy, and Caliber is best boy. Anyways, let to explain. Vit, Vit, very much. He, he's the only one who really, at the time of we are talking about the first five episodes of the English dub of the show. By the way, um, he's the only one who, at the time of this, really has not done much. But I think he had one good moment in regards to like, uh, uh, fuck, uh, Rika's mom, played by Anastasia Munoz, uh, asked them, "Hey, what do you guys?" Do do you even have jobs? <laughs> yeah. To which Chris, to which Chris's character Vit just says, "We work and then we don't work." Which <laughs> yeah, just, I, I love the I description. I mean, it's basically a roundabout saying we're fun employed. It's basically it's just it's basically saying we do what we gotta do, which is basically saying we we're called what they do temp jobs. That's what they should say. But it's just I love the way he just says. We work, and then we don't work. I, I respect that. I respect that, you little sly, pretty boy. I can't wait to see what you got in store. Uh, Boar, I love Afia's sassy, snarky tone. Anytime she gets to be this very sassy, like, sarcastic character. And that is perfect for the kind of character Boar is. Is that he is just this little gremlin child... And he is the best at being the worst in that regard. And he's just so fun to play off of every other character. Because he's the one making, uh... He's the one getting, uh, Yuta and Utami very high-strung about the fact that, Oh, the cute girls are gonna go play with the college boys. And he's making them very uneasy. And he's like, oh, what's your deal? It's just drama. Who cares? Y'all are dumb. <laughs> Also, probably, like, my favorite line of boars is just, like, when they're tailing uh, the group date, if you will, with Arcadia, is that <laughs> Boar just replies, so did you go to stalker school, or is this a natural talent? And it's just, you can just hear, you can hear the glee and the delight that is having, just having this tone, it's just, Oh, it's so fun, and just chewing it all up, and Afia's killing it. Let's split up. Stocking's a crime, you know? Oh, that's so good. Uh, Boar is very much, uh, first thing off, uh, that is not a junior high student. I don't care what you're talking about. That's not a junior high student. Uh, 
Obvi so yeah, uh, so Max is, first things first, that is not a, that is not a junior high student. That is very strong and very adult body, but anime's done weirder things, let's be real here. Yeah, I, I just suddenly had the thought of, how do you do, fellow kids? <laughs> how do you do, fellow kids? <laughs> Uh, now, now I'm just imagine. Now I'm just imagining, just Max is staring into his coffee, and he just says unironically to Rika's mother, "Needs more cowbell." Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, how do you? I can see it. Either way, it'd be great. But yeah. Max is a really interesting character. He's very much the voice of reason for this team, and he is the leader. He has one of the coolest transformations, and he's very much acknowledged as the strongest of the team, which is pretty high honor among everybody else. But he's also very wise and smart. He's very caring when it comes to talking about Yuta, as he's realizing he's having his own teenage emotional conflict, and he's like, you know what? It's very vexing watching you children try to go about this as he's watching the the unfortunate anime romance going on and he's just like, you children are a disaster. It's so frustrating <laughs> watching you two. And it's like, yeah, welcome to anime. I appreciate somebody who gets it. But no, I love the way Chris George sells his vocal performance as gruff but sincere, kind-hearted mentor person. And I think that's really cool. And also, how does he eat with that mask? How does he eat with that mask? I see his mouth moving as he's eating, and it's like, how does that work? Where does it go? Anyways. Now, I, I've been building up to this. Now it's time to talk about my best boy, Samurai Caliber. Okay, when I first saw this character, he basically is this weirdo that's just standing there that only Yuta can see and nobody else can see. And I'm thinking he's going to be an antagonist or he's going to be some sort of like evildoer from afar. And then he comes in through the door. He walks head on into the door as the four swords sticking out of his back can't fit into the doorway. And he just, <laughs> he just slams through and just falls without even resisting. And in that moment... Gentlemen, I was in love. I was in love with this samurai caliber boy. And it is just... It's so fascinatingly endearing the way this character interacts with the world and the way he moves. He feels and sounds off. Like, all the three of the other uh, Genesis Junior High kids sound like they are people who can also transform into things. Caliber sounds like he is not quite human, or he is not quite on the same wavelength. And I think that actually impresses me the most about Ian Sinclair's performance of him, is that there's a slight tick and stutter to his voice that sounds very stilted and off, but in a way that makes sense for this kind of character. It is very much Ian Sinclair's voice, but it's like there's a slight little tick and something that seems a little off. And you can tell he's trying to interact with these characters. And he's going out of his way to be nice and like help them out. 
and he's capable and that's really interesting to me like he's being very nice to rika he wants to he's following these kids like a very loyal puppy and when he comes slamming in through the door to take all of them to the uh team gridman hideout and he just he bursts in through the window full momentum and then just he like tries to look cool and then and then physics gets in the way and then he just grabs them all and it's just he's like okay let's do gridman stuff he's really cool during action scenes but he's just he's a very interesting character and i'm just so endeared to him right off the bat like i love him ian sinclair's performance is really interesting and caliber is my precious baby moe Mo is my he he's almost moe in a way now that i think about it just the way he interacts with the world around him like it sounds a lot like mezzo shoji now that i think about it the way ian plays him but a lot more like stilted and it, like i don't know if he is human or not it's just it, he sounds off but he is trying to interact and he is trying to very much be an ally and comrade to all of them and he is he is like i, I love caliber he is best boy i know boar is a is many people's best boy but caliber's actual best boy fight me mm. i went on for a long time about that i'm very <laughs> sorry i'm i'm sorry that's all right. That's all right. All right. So starting off, I I guess I'll go with the character who really hasn't done much yet, and that's Vit and Chris Burnett. Um, well, yeah, he he really hasn't done much to advance the plot. I do appreciate the fact that he, at least on the outset, he seems like the guy that the rest of them use to talk to people. You know, he, he's the people person. He's the charismatic businessman who hands the business cards out. Like, he he's Ooh. the one who's supposed to be, like, he's the PR guy. And and I like the, we have jobs and then we don't, quote. That, that was really fun. And, like, he gets, he says a lot of fun things, particularly with Rika's mom. And it's, like, it's fun. He's a fun character. I really hope he does, like, interesting things in the seven or so episodes we have left. Uh, Afia Yu as Boar. Like, I, I really like that she plays him with a sense of spunk and, like, he's a little spitfire. He He's a little go-getter. And he likes to poke fun at everybody around him, but it, it's never, like, a mean poking fun. It's just... Like, he, he likes to jab at everybody's ribs. It's it's great. And, like, Afia Yu plays him with this wonderful sense of sarcasm that just, like, you can tell she's having a really good time in the booth. And, like, it, it's something Noah said in the Mr. Tonegawa episode, like, having that much fun in the booth should be criminal. If I told you Boar in Japanese was played by Aoi Yuki, the voice of Tornado of Terror from One Punch Man, would you believe me? Yeah. I could hear it. Yeah. I, it's very much similar kind of aesthetic, and off it, mm. yeah, I can hear it. Yeah. Uh, Chris George is Max. I, I really like that he's sort of the teen dad. And, like, Chris George does the teen dad really well. I mean, after all, he's... He's basically Nishigori. Like, that's... 
that should tell you everything you need to know. He's like, but I mean, yeah, that was like Michigori was more of a goofy team dad. He's just, he sits everybody down and has pep talks. Like he, he doesn't get love and emotions, but he, he tries to help, and you, you, he endears you. Mm -hmm. Like it's, he's a good dude. And I, and I really like Chris George's performance as him. And Ian Sinclair as Samurai Caliber. Like, Samurai Caliber is a weird, goofy character. And I like that Ian Sinclair kind of gets on that wavelength. Samurai Caliber is eccentric. He can't, he can't judge the entryway of a door and the swords on his back. And he, and he will randomly jump through a school window and grab a bunch of kids, throw them on his shoulders, and then jump back out the same window. Like, he's a weird dude, and he's his scenes are fun, and Ian Sinclair, he gives, like, this sense of weirdness that's, that's great and fun. So, it's like well, weirdness, but also almost like a childlike innocence of the world around him, because, like... I, I forgot about it, but there's a scene where they're they have the ramen bottles, and he's trying to shake out the the little marble out of the bottle until he eventually does a really cool like samurai slash to get it. Out. Oh yeah, it's just, it's just I'm thinking about it. It's almost like a childlike innocence to yeah. him, and I think that's also another part of his charm and like endearingness to me. But yeah, all four of these actors did a really great job with the uh, kind of weird characters to play that kind of work in and out of their their typecast, and that it's good. Both all four of them are, are great. It, good times. Uh, so are we ready to move on to our antagonists? Oh, mm -hmm. oh boy! <laughs> oh boy! We're gonna have some fun here. Oh. Alright, so starting off, we have... I don't even know what he is. But, um... His name is Alexis Carib. Instance Abreaction! He's... He's basically, like, from what I can interpret... He's basically... Like... Melvillian Satan. That is a good description of him but my my personal description is he is uh oh god what's his name is oh this is gonna bug me what's the name of the judge from uh lulico uh okay dang it i was going to i was going to make that joke when it actually came time for my turn but i'm gonna say it now he is evil over justice for space patrol Lulico. thank you over justice yes yeah. he is yes. he is the evil over justice yes That's what I his think. design is very over justice-esque and i, I thank you that. i'm not the only one to notice that oh no it was it was very no no, no like like uh, no, it's funny like i actually didn't even think about it until i was writing my notes i was like oh wow that's really over justice <laughs> Uh, but he is manipulating a young girl in the class of the Gridman Alliance, who we'll be getting to in a second. Uh, her name is Akane Shinju. Uh, she's kind of a quiet, bookish, nerdy type in the back she, of the class. She, she always seems to have her head in the clouds. Uh, she is a Moe girl. She is sweet 
and innocent, and she has done nothing wrong hey, in her nothing. life ever. <laughs> She's sweet and sour, Andrew. Don't even try it today. Until she gets into her room, puts on her crack glasses, and becomes a, a, a little a little devil. See now, see yeah. now I'm just monsters. Now I'm just thinking of this that meme where it's just Akane just going, "I have done nothing wrong in my life ever," and then there's just Alexi's going, "I know this and I love you." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the second she puts on her crack glasses, she she basically creates kaiju and kills people with them. It, As you do, like you do. And our last, okay. our last antagonist is sort of, he's sort of similar to uh, Utah and Gridman in a way. He is a human-like being who can transform into a giant kaiju-like robot. And his he name is, is Auntie. Like, in, but, a, in a way, Auntie's almost fitting because, he, here's some crackpot theory time, Auntie could definitely mean, like... He is both a villain, but anti could also mean later down the road he will become an anti-hero. Honestly, it's totally I can possible. see that. Expect it. I'm totally getting major virile vibes from him, especially from the scarf. And like suspiciously, he seems to drain the energy out of junk, as uh, about as much as Gridman. So that. That tells me there's some sort of deep connection between Anti and Gridman. It's a mystery. Ooh. But in any case, uh, Alexis Carib is played by Barry Yandel. You would know Barry Yandel as Zaruba from all three of the Garo anime. Uh, he is Yoki in Full Metal Alchemist. He's a little demon in Soul Eater. And he's mm. William Spears in Black Butler. Hmm. Uh, Akane Shinju is played by Lindsay Seidel. Uh, Lindsay Seidel, you would know as both Nene and Nono in Blood Sea. Uh, she is Nagisa Shiota in Assassination Classroom. Eto in Tokyo Ghoul. And Ruka in Steinsgate. Uh, Auntie is played by Stephen Fu. You would know Stephen Fu as Yohei Nikaido in Golden Kamui. Lao in Legend of Galactic Heroes Dinoya Tesa, Ruka Gojo in Nanbaka, and Yasuo Nanbu in Space Battleship Yamato 2199. Uh, so, Jet, why don't you start us off? So, uh, okay, so first, um, I will start out with, a, with a Alexis here. So, um, I never really said this out loud before when talking about Barry Adele as an actor because it just kind of sounds like a weird thing to say out loud. But there's just, like, this naturally snide quality to his voice. It always kind of felt like it would belong to a Saturday morning cartoon villain for me. So I'm kind of a little bit surprised it's taken him this long to actually voice a cumulative one. Well, you know, minus Yogi from FMA, since he is kind of like... He he did kind of feel like, you know, definitely dick to me, but whatever. He literally had an <laughs> evil mustache. Yes, he did. I think he even twirled the evil mustache in one scene. Yes, he, yes, he definitely did twirl the evil mustache. You bet your sweet pippy he did. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, so uh, everything about Alexis, from his mannerisms to his appearance, which, again, he literally looks like evil over justice from Space Patrol Lilico, uh, pretty much screams that he's bad news. And while he has yet to technically do much besides just, you know, enable our actual antagonist, 
He is 100% up to something, and everything about Barryan, and everything about Barryan's delivery just, you know, portrays a mix of mustache-twirling and creepiness on top of, you know, mystery. Since again, we don't quite know what his endgame is, uh, but it's simply been a fun performance to listen to. And in a series where the general tone has been, like, surprisingly grounded for a Tokusatsu thing, I'm glad that there's at least one character where, like, yep, you know exactly who this is. <laughs> they aren't being subtle, you know what he's here for. <laughs> okay, and, uh, as for Steffi, as for Steffi Yu was anti, um, like, I'm not, like, super familiar with Steffi Yu, I mean, I've heard him in things, but it's, I guess this is, like, the first time I've seen him in, like, major building for me. Uh, but, um, I really like the raspy voice he gives Auntie, since, you know, it gives us this, like, kind of villainous ass, but at the same time, there's, like, there's, like, a little, there's, like, a little childish quality to it that, you know, kind of works, since, again, Auntie's kind of supposed to come off as, like, a confused kid who, where he doesn't really kind of know what else to do with himself behind, you know, just fight Gridman and occasionally help Akane, which, you know, doesn't really go over too well because Akane... And I always kind of feel bad whenever Akane treats him badly. And, uh, it's like, and the weird kind of earnesty in Stefan's performance kind of helps that. Where, like, yeah, I, I mean, this, this kid seems kind of weird, but I, but I like him. I, I hope things turn out well for him, eventually. Um, also, I really appreciate that there's, like, a very clear vocal distinction between his human form and his kaiju form. And, you know, that, like, whenever he uses the kaiju form, he gets, like, a, loud, a lot louder and a lot heavier. And, like, he even gives off, like, a couple of really crazy lines, like, Yep, that's right, it's me again. <laughs> and, which, again, does, like, really help to sell the whole Saturday morning cartoon homage. <laughs> uh, and lastly, for Akane. Ooh, boy. Okay, so, when I first saw this character, and I heard the kind of voice coming out of Lindsay Saito, uh, I assumed this was going to be, you know, like a typical air-headed boy girl, and, you know, she was maybe going to be like the romantic rival for Rika or something. Uh, but as it turns out, Akane is more of an actual teenager. Specifically, she's a bratty teen nerd who, you know, she puts up a facade of being, you know, polite and unassuming in public. Uh, but secretly hates everyone for, like, little grievances that feel, you know, kind of petty to us, but are practically a matter of life and death for, like, an angry introverted nerd. And having been an angry introverted nerd in my youth, I can, uh... I, de <laughs> I definitely understand this kind of character pretty well, and uh, I don't think I've ever seen an anime pull that off that realistically. And for a girl, no less, it's like, it's really impressive. And again, I especially appreciate the whole revelation with that, where it's just, the teacher bumps into her, and, it, and, it, and it's just dead quiet for that one moment, and again, you get the fist high view, and it's like, oh boy. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, going into the performance, um, it's simply been interesting because for the kind of personality I described, I feel like it shouldn't really go that well with the cutesy boy girl voice that Lindsay Tidell is using. But, uh, weirdly enough, the context actually helps to make it, the, uh, context there actually helps to drive me more attention to how, uh, toxic a lot of Akata's behavior is, and, uh, Lindsay Tidell really gets across that bratty attitude basically perfectly. Like, it's a little weird for, it's a little weird hearing her do this kind of voice for me, since, uh, personally, I'm kind of used to her sounding a lot deeper, doing, you know, like, uh, quieter characters like Nagisa from Assassination Classroom. Uh, but it definitely works here, and it's really done a lot to help make Akane a, a very compelling antagonist. 
Uh, I mean, you know, even if we are probably going to get some kind of tragic backstory for her that will quote-unquote explain her behavior, even though I don't really think the show needs to because... Okay, because again, bratty, spiteful nerd seems like a pretty clear personality. I don't think he really did backstory for that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, I've been enjoying that. Uh, my only real complaint with the character so far is... Uh, it's just this whole really weird bit in episode 5 where they seem to kind of be, um, uh, where they kind of scheme her up a little bit for some weird reason. And it's kind of weird because, like, uh, the first few episodes of the show, I mean, like, there is some fan service bits here and there, but it wasn't, like, really blatant. Like, for the first four episodes, <laughs> it was pretty, like, there was really not a lot of, like, cheesecake or what would be horny on main qualities most of it was just the fan art but then it was like episode five was like okay that is a that is a it, shot it is that is a very yeah, long like literally shot. the yeah the opening shot is really just a slow pan of her like in a gravity shot and it's like really weird like i mean <laughs> subject Look. matter wise it was kind of fitting because it was like a graver pose on like bags of trash. Oh, there is yeah. some sort. Of, there is some sort <laughs> of visual <laughs> metaphor going on with that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. There is some sort of visual metaphor going on with that. That I guess might be there, but uh, for me personally, it just it kind of feels though it felt slightly detrimental because you know Akane is clearly supposed to come up. Akane is clearly meant to be very unlikable at this point in the story. So I kind of hope that doesn't happen again. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> oh. All three of these performances were really good. Lizzie in particular was really great, and I'm done. Okay. Uh, Jamal? There's no way I can top that. Anyway, starting out with uh, Alexis. Uh, Barry Yandel, it's funny, I'm not... I, a lot of times I'm not used to Barry Yandel's voice, but ever since he's come up more in simuldubs, I've started to get accustomed to it. I did remember at one point, somebody pointed out that his voice in the show had like a... Tim Curry kind of quality to it, to which I'm like, I don't... Oh, yeah, oh definitely. But the thing is, I don't really hear Tim Curry. To me, it just sounds like Barry Adele in general. Like... Not, to me, Barry Adele's voice is that it sounds very naturally Tim Curry-ish. If you say so, I guess. But yeah, he, he plays the bad guy very well. I, I was completely impressed when I first heard it. I was like, Okay, I can get used to this. Uh, Auntie, I'm used to Steven's voice. It, it's funny, he has a weird vocal range to where one minute he can sound like Alejandro sound to the next he can actually be screaming like a little girl. Uh, which is weird because I, he it actually did sound like a little girl was screaming at one point. But Steven Fu, his, his voice, I like I like how you said that he distincts his voice between his two forms. Because his monster form, he sounded like uh, another person we'll get to in the next section. But I, I thought he handled that. I thought he handled that quality very well. And it just—it's also funny because when Root was making his draft, he said mysterious boy. I thought the whole time mysterious boy met Samurai Cali, but I never even seen the guy in the first episode, so. No, he was, like, prevalent throughout, like, the key art, and... I didn't see the key art, though, that's the True, thing. okay. Yeah, so, pretty much, like, 
like I like I said before the cock review episode, I really want to hear Steven more things because he is very starting to become very prominent at this point to me. And the Kade, I like how Lindsay provides the boy voice to the character because, and it that it really shows throughout the show. It kind of demonstrates it lulls you to a false sense of security because you think a Kade is nothing more than just like. Come off as like a boy airhead. I didn't really think she'd be the love interest kind of thing, especially after the first episode. But something did seem off, especially showed the episode too. I was kind of surprised. I'll get more to that part of the final thoughts, but I was kind of surprised how like it ended up that she was part of the antagonist, if you will. So it kind of provides. A little bit of a creepy feeling because you know it's like you know she's just holding these grudges for these tiny little things and she sounds so sweet kind of like this and you're like okay then you you start to scare me a little bit but but she has but she has a way of making you feel unnerving with without like being scary so I I kind of enjoyed it all the same but though that one part you mentioned, I'm gonna bring it up again with the next character because there's something I need to mention to y'all. But for now, I I really enjoy these antagonists. So. Okay. Okay. So first things first. Uh, Alexis, uh, Barry Andel is deliciously, hamtastically, diabolically evil, and I love it. I love it. Just, I, like I said, I never grew up with the original uh, Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. And, but I do know, I do know Tim Curry sounds like, and I can definitely hear it in the way he's, he's pulling this off for sure. And I definitely think the fact that that was something to keep in mind when playing this character it's pretty great, but it's also a lot of his his Zaruba voice. It's very much a lot of his Zaruba voice at the same time, and that's totally very fine by me. I I think I saw so, something funny that I think Cliff tweeted out where he was simultaneously saying like some of the best feedback he's ever gotten was praise for making uh alexis sound like tim curry and then making a joke where it's like who knew it was so easy to make an impression <laughs> it, took, it took me like a long minute i'm like ah god damn it that's some good stuff well played well played but yeah no uh he hasn't done much yet he's very much the he's the bad voice on the shoulder friend but i think he's very it's very fun watching him and akane interact uh, Steven, uh, as Auntie, he is very much an angry, very angry, and very hungry boy who is trying his best to kill Gridman and also make Akade happy and not exactly doing well at both of those things. But he's trying and he is a very formidable, cool-looking antagonist. Like... He is very much a lot of fun, and he is very enjoyable when he's on screen. It's really... I'm not sure what his deal is or what his end goal is for the show, and that's fair. That's totally fair. 
but yeah, I mean, so yeah, I mean, so far I do. So far, I don't get the feeling he's particularly malicious, but we'll see. I, I don't expect him to stay evil for long, but that's fair. Now, but I do think Steven's voice is very naturally, like, he does a good job making him sound very gruff, aggressive, but also kind of, like, young and immature at the same time, too, which is which are very effective qualities. Now, Akane, Lindsay Seidel, this is okay at first it was like okay i like Lindsay seidel's very cutesy moe voice because it reminds me a lot of yuzu from konohana kitan which was very sweet and cuddly and yuzu was adorable and very huggable and then episode two happens and then you realize oh no yuzu is fucking evil as hell and not only is she evil she is evil in a fascinatingly identifiable way in that she is minorly inconvenienced by people around her and her base desire is, all right, I want you dead. <laughs> Bye, bitch. <laughs> and holy crap. That is simultaneously, like, as threatening and compelling an antagonist as you could probably get. And the way the show presents Akane, like, the way the sh they present her, the way it says so much about who she is and what she thinks and so very little. Her entire room is mise-en-scene about exactly what her character is about. She is a hihikamori otaku who retreats into her room, does not tend to her, like, base needs or appearances by a loom room literally littered with untaken bags of trash by giant hundreds by the scale models of kaiju monsters and tokusatsu figures. Two screen computer, computer monitors... And the necessities to just make kaiju models of her own. And that says a lot about who she is. Just the way the show presents her is really interesting. As for Lindsay, as for Lindsay as Akane, this is just one of the most diabolically evil characters I think I've ever heard her play. Yet, see, she simultaneously just sounds cute as fuck. And that contrast, it just... The way the show lingers that there is something wrong with her. And I'm not even talking about the swimsuit lingering. I mean, like, genuinely the show lingers on, like, this character's body language and presentation and the way she interacts with people around her. And her two-faced nature. She's scaring the hell out of me every time she's on. Because I believe this is totally what a very, like... This is what I feel a nerd who is judgmental of the world around them would do if they are unhinged and given the power to kill and do as they please and never get in trouble with it. And just the way she, like, antagonizes people, just, like, the cutesiness, but just she is so, like, calm when she gets very scary and intense. 
but just the way she interacts with people around her is really interesting. Just, I love the delivery of, like, when she's, she's basically interrogating Rika, and she's like, did you not hear me? The question was, why are you talking to Yuta? Because she's trying to figure out, like, who's Gridman and why she's hanging out with him. And then she tells Grill's auntie to go wild. And then just one of my favorite deliveries is when she is extremely uncomfortable at the group at the group date gathering with all the uh, guys there. And she says under her breath after like he touches her shoulder. She's just like, <laughs> what the hell's wrong with these old dudes? It's like, it's a funny line, but it's like, she's very like visibly upset by this and it's and very you know much shit's coming oh you know people are gonna fucking die you know bitch is gonna die it's just there's a lot of impressive performances but i'd probably say Lindsay seidel as akane is like my favorite in the show period hmm so starting off i like this is my favorite kind of character for barry andale to play alexis carried even even in terms of like Zaruba, like this is absolutely Faustian. Like even more so than the Soul Eater Demon. Like he is actually showing up for showing up with to Akane's room. Like he is whispering things in her ear. He's not even telling her to do things. He's just like, oh, those girls at the volleyball club said mean things. Isn't that rough? And, it, like, he's pushing Akane to create kaiju and create all this chaos herself. And it's, like, it is wonderfully delicious. There's not a lot to his character yet, which hopefully in the next seven episodes of the show we'll, we'll find out a little bit more. Uh, Steam Fu's auntie. I, I really like the fact that in his human state, he's just like this angry child. All he wants to do is destroy Gridman, and... Like, he's... Akane is using that to her will, and, like... It, it seems like... He... Like, the, that one nut... That single-mindedness is just really kind of refreshing, and... And then he transforms into the, the robot form, and he's just, like, big, angry, growly, like, kill Gridman, and it's, it's great. Like, it's, like Jet said, this is, like, all Saturday morning hamminess, and it's, like, between him and Alexis, it's just, it's, it's like I'm ten years old sitting in front of the TV with a bunch of, like, with a bunch of popcorn and, like, whoppers and, you know, it, it's, it's cool. It's, it's fun. And, um, Lindsay Seidel as Akane Shinju, like, her voice definitely has an air of menace that you don't initially catch until you know her character's deal. And then once, once you figure that out, you can't unhear it. Even if you go back to the original episodes before the before the big revelation and like, I did, and the foreshadowing's there, it's great. Like it's it's wonderful and like 
I feel like that's one of the advantages to a whole bunch of episodes being done well before the uh, the show actually debuted. Which gave plenty of time to dub it and, you know, stuff like, oh, Akane's actually the bad guy. And it, it I'd imagine it gave some time to go back in, course correct. If, like, if, if she was initially played as, like, a love interest in an original cut of the dub, and then, like, episode two comes along and, like, there, there's time to quickly go back in there and edit a few lines to make it sound a little more menacing. But, like, her, her performance was really, really good. And it gave me chills, and going back to the first episode really kind of reinforced that, and it's... Like, it's great. All three of them were terrifying, and it was good. All three of them did a really good job. Uh, so, are we ready to move on to the Gridman Alliance? Mm-hmm. I you? think, we, yes, I think that we should go on to the Gridman Alliance. Man, there's a lot to talk about with this show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, starting off, we have uh, Rika Takarada. Uh, her mother owns a junk shop in which the computer where Gridman is basically kept is somehow inexplicably there. Like, no explanation, no no real anything. It's It just happens to be there. And Rika's initial role in the, the Gridman Alliance is basically her mom owns the shop. So they, like, she's basically made a member so that they could have access to the shop and the computer. So in a sense, like, she's she's sort of similar to Vit in that way. But um, she ends up being kind of... Feels like she's starting to be developed into a love interest for Yuta. Yeah, yeah that seems like a pretty obvious thing. I also have, like, my own... I also have, like, my own weird theories on where things might be heading with her and Akane, but I guess we'll see how that goes. Mm. Shosumi is Yuta's best friend and sort of... And he's sort of thrust into the weird situation of all of a sudden being able to see Kaiju and... <clears throat> like, he's he's trying to help Yuta as best he can. Which is really only moral support, and because like he doesn't even know much about computers, so he's basically the jokester of the group, I guess you could say. Uh, so Rika Takarada is played by Jill Harris. Uh, you would know Jill Harris from such roles as Noel Silva in Black Clover. Uh, Hibiki Iga in Basilisk the Oka Ninja Scrolls. Uh, Cardia in Code Realize. Mayaka Imbara in Hyoka. And Mandalay in My Hero Academia. Uh, Shoutsumi is played by Greg Ayers. And you would know Greg Ayers from such roles as Gunta Igarashi in Dead Man Wonderland. Monokuma in the anime side of the Danganronpa franchise. Frost in Dragon Ball Super. Nagisa Hazuki in Free, and Minamoto no Yoshitsune in Drifters. Uh, Jet, why don't you start us off? Okay, um, 
So I feel like it's been a little while since uh, Greg Ares has had a prominent role in a simuldub, so um, this is a pretty nice change of pace. Uh, while Greg can do like a lot of different character types pretty well, um, it's always really nice whenever he gets to voice theaters in particular. Uh, since that's a lot closer to his natural vocal register, and um, he usually helps to make his performances sound a lot more relaxed and grounded. And uh, it's definitely pretty helpful in this case, since uh, so far Joe just feels like a regular dude. Like, um, you know, like a bit of a nerd for sure, and, uh, uh, you know, like, yeah, he's a bit of a nerd. He, he's, he's definitely got, like, his petty moments, like, when he gets uh, jealous about other guys fighting over Akane and stuff like that. Um... Uh, but he's uh, but he's simply not like the uh, he's simply not a nerd in the same vein uh, as Akane is where you know Akane wants to take out her frustrations on everyone else but whereas uh, Greg again so far is kind of seems like a regular dude and uh, the performance here just like really reflects that so far you know he plays show is generally pretty chill while you know still getting more passionate or riled up when he needs to and uh, whatever the situation calls for it. Um, I do get the feeling that Cho's knowledge of, like, Ultraman lore might play into the story later on, but for now, he's, he's a pretty okay guy, and Greg handles him pretty well. Uh, as a Akane is, a uh, very interesting. Uh, much in the same way that Lizzie Tidal was for me as Akane, because, um, it's not an archetype I generally associate with her at all. Uh, I'm used to seeing Joe Harris play, you know, like, really peppy and energetic girls like Fuka, or, you know, really shy ones like Naho from Orange. Uh, so seeing her play, you know, like a very kind of, yeah, you know, kind of downer teenager is uh, definitely a little something new for me, and so far I really like it. Uh, it helps that, like, a, that much like Akane, she's one of the more realistic depictions of a teenager that I've seen in an anime, but, um, whereas Akane is, again, you know, more of a secretly vengeful nerd, uh, Rike is more, you know, like your basic apathetic teenager. Who, you know, she hates being asked to do things, but, you know, kind of does them anyway because, you know, she, she's nicer than she wants people to think. And, uh, and she just generally has a very, like, do I have to, uh, kind of approach to dealing with problems, which, you know, that feels very much like a teenager to me. And, uh, it's definitely very refreshing to see, and Jill Harris tackles those aspects of her really well, in a way, and in a way that feels, you know, just incredibly natural. And uh, even though we haven't spent, like, a ton of time with her as a character, uh, Jill's consistent delivery when it comes to that tone has already made this one of my favorite performances of her, and it's, uh, it's really fantastic. And I'm uh, definitely very curious to see where uh, the story takes uh, Rika, because uh, because it's pointed out that the kaiju do kind of seem to be centered around her in particular, and she definitely seems to have maybe been friends with Akane before, so... I mean, like, I mean, I don't think she's responsible for Akane being Akane. Akane just kind of seems like she was always that way. But I feel like it might have something to do with why Yuta lost his memory, but I guess we'll see how that goes. Uh, anyway, I'm done. Okay. Jamal? Yeah, it kind of shares some of the same sentiments which, uh, with uh, Usumi. It was nice hearing Greg Ayers again in a role like this. I mean... And it's funny because I was trying to bring it up earlier, but I want to spoil it. Because I thought Anti is monster form was Greg Ayers in a dual role. Which is kind of a testament to Stephen Food's rage. And it turns out I was dead wrong in that case. But Greg really manages to play up. <laughs> this is not the first time Greg has played like this type of character before. But at least, you know, like, 
he's big boots about it. Like, because normally he's, when he's played this type of character, is like either kind of perverted or like pretty shy. Like, no, this dude's just pretty chill. And he kind of has this thing for Kade, but yeah. So I thought Greg did a pretty good job in this role. Is it's not something I'm used to seeing Greg is do, but he he matches that to to his to the best of his abilities, even if Utsumi doesn't exactly understand what's going on and plays like, acts like he does. Rika, on the other hand, like Jet said, this is not a kind of who I would associate Joe with, because Joe is usually, she usually plays characters that are like go-getters type of thing, like, you know, so much excitement or whatever, but when she plays this character, it's kind, Rika's kind of apathetic, especially at the beginning, because you're like, okay, you pick it, you pick up this amnesiac student who's in your class. You two have never had any interaction before now. And it's like, where do we go from here? She manages to accompany him to acclimate him back to normalcy or as close to normal as he can get. And I thought Joe handled those moments very well. I I thought Rico Vaughn's character was, was pretty cool. And something like, and kind of akin to Akane, uh, when Jet brought up with the whole fan art thing, it's like, a lot of people seem to like Rika very much. I She has a very cool design. Very cool I design. I think her design, like, I think a lot of the character designs in the show, in general, are very appealing, and I think Rika and Akane, in general, like, have cool designs. Like, without even talking about the obvious, just, their designs are cool, and the art I have seen is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it just, I just wish I didn't have to see so much fan on my Twitter feed, but hey. Mm. Welcome to tw welcome mm. to Twitter, let's be real here. I'm just saying, Rika is a character, it's very genuine, very real. And I really want to see where it goes between her and Yuta. That's okay. all I have to say. Alright, so starting off with Utami, because... There's not as much to talk about with Utsumi, personally. Though, that being said, it was really nice to get to hear Greg Ares do a much more casual, laid-back version of Greg Ares. Like, this seems much more of what I would imagine Greg Ares' actual, natural speaking tone is. And that's very interesting to me, because usually... He's much higher up there or a bit more of a spaz or a crybaby and a lot of stuff. This is just like old, like older teenage Greg Aries. And it actually works a lot better than I was expecting it to. He works very well like... Okay, how do I, how do I describe it? Uh, you know what? My reference is Sunohara from Clannad. Because in a very similar way, it is a similar type of character. In that he is the supporting best friend character. The thing that's different is that Sudahara is very much the little tiny bitch baby who's very loud and obnoxious. Utsumi is much more like subdued. Actually seems like a lot older. He's taller and like he's not that unappealing to... He's not that unappealing or, like, that obnoxious to the class. Like, he actually looks pretty, like, handsome in his own right. 
And hell, the girls appreciate that he's got a little bit of chub to him, too. Yeah. <laughs> Which I... So that was a weird scene, but I'm like, okay, you know what? That's funny, and I respect that. Uh, hey, that was something. But yeah, no, I just... I like Greg Airy's tone that he brings to Utsumi as a character. Speaking of which, Rika. I kind of adore how Jill's portrayal of Rika is listless to me in a way. Like like we said, we know Jill Harris is like much more like cutesy and overt or sometimes more quiet and tempered like actual best girl Hifumi from New Game. Gee, but, wonder why you bring that up. Look, look, it was gonna come up at some point. Point being, this is like much more casual in a way that's I don't it feels less like Jill is playing her like an anime teenage girl and more like she is playing her as a teenage girl. This is sort of a weird way to explain this because like in anime there is some way that characters portray themselves over accentuate, exaggerate and like like I said you make the emotions much more like exaggerated when they're angry much more exaggerated when they're embarrassed much more exaggerated when they're shy this is like very down to earth in a way that's really really interesting to me and feels very natural like and i show that is surprisingly out there which is about like Basically, giant toys combining together and kicking the shit out of, like, poor CG monsters. It feels like the human element of it is very much still down-to-earth and genuine. And despite not being the main character, Rika Takarada feels very much like the emotional center of this series in a lot of ways. And I think have the way that Jill plays Rika does a lot for me as a viewer in being endeared to her as a character and like being intrigued by her relationship with Yuta by wanting to know about her deal with wanting to reconnect with Akane, her emotional turmoil when she thinks that he's dead and like she's afraid everything's falling apart. The way she interacts with like, her mom, how she's kind of like, yeah, whatever, mom, but also just calls her mama and is, like, very endeared to her. It's just, there's so much going on with Rika as a character. I'm really intrigued to see what they do. And I'm very, very impressed by Jill Harris's portrayal of this character. And it's really, really strong. Like, her and Lindsay are probably neck and neck for me of my favorite performance of the show. Yeah, same here. Hmm. Alright, so starting off with uh, Greg Arisazutsumi, I really like that he plays him as sort of Yuta's wingman. Like, not even in the romantic sense, but just, like, the two are really good friends. You can tell that even from before whatever the incident was that took Yuta's memories away. Like, they seem like they're, they're cool, they're chill, and, like, Utsumi also gets a lot of really good one-liners through the course of the show. Like, I, I think he's the one who basically asks in episode three or four. Like, he's like, 
to the uh, to the Neon Genesis Junior High, you know, to the 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 group of Neon Genesis Junior High. He he basically asks, "So which one of you four is the strongest?" Just like this dead silence, and like I, that's like one of my favorite scenes of the show because it's just really good comedic timing, and like I, I really like that. Like Greg Ayers is able to just let out a quip every now and again, and it just it seems natural, and I, I'm really glad the show didn't portray him as like the designated pervert or something. Because he's, like, he's just a good friend. Mm -hmm. And, like, anime needs more of that. Just the good buddy. And I, I feel the same way with uh, with Rika and Jill Harris. Like, secretly, I think they could have made her the protagonist of the show, and it really wouldn't have been much different. Just on the side of the guy who's, like, the hero. Like, that would have been interesting. But in any case... I really like that Jill Harris kind of has almost a stoic sense. Not necessarily, like, I don't know, like, not necessarily noble, but she kind of didn't care at first, and then, like, over the course of the episodes that we've had available to us, she sort of warms up to everybody and, like... You can really tell that when Joe Harris's performance. It's it's really nice and like I could go on, but I I think everybody else has said it a little better than I have. So um are we ready to move on to our protagonists? Yep. Yep. Alright, so starting off we have the amnesiac himself, Yuta Hibiki. A mysterious high school student who just kind of lost his memory and has some sort of connection to the giant hero Gridman, who in and of himself is a being who tries to remind Yuta of his mission, whatever that is. And it's, even five episodes in, it's not made abundantly clear what that is, but it has something to do with... It has something to do with the kaiju and, like their mysterious appearance in the world like there's implications that there's something weird going on beyond the beyond the walls of the city that yuta lives in like in episode five there there was a fight sequence with a giant kaiju and at the very end of the episode like everything's all the damage to the to the mountain area that they were visiting is just still kind of floating around. Like it's it's being rearranged and like a whole bunch of mysterious stuff is going on. Uh so Yuta Hibiki is played by Brandon McInnes. You would know Brandon McInnes as Unity Kaito in Carcaptor Sakura Clear Card. He's Count Saint Germain in Code Realize, Samon Goku in Nanbaka. Roman Yamashira in Tsukigaki Rei, and Corteo in 91 Days. Uh, Gridman is played by Robert McCollum. You would know him as Reiner Brown in Attack on Titan. Uh, the Wizard King Julius Nova Chrono in Black Clover. He's Oda Nobunaga in Drifters. Don Quixote do Flamingo in One Piece. And Shinya Kogami in Psychopaths. So Jet, why don't you start us off? Okay. 
Um, so it's kind of funny that even though these two are technically the protagonists, I honestly kind of have the least to say about them so far. Um, like, even putting aside the whole amnesia thing, Yuta, uh, so far, just kind of feels like, you know, like a regular dude. Like, you know, like, he, he's a likable dude, but, you know, he's kind of the least interesting member of the ensemble to me so far. I mean, like, but although I do appreciate that the mystery with him, you know, in regards to the whole amnesia thing is more like, how did he lose his memory rather than who he was before losing it because we already kind of were explicitly told he was just like a regular guy and we've already seen who his friends are, so I appreciate they aren't making a big mystery out of that. Um, so, um, in the same vein, while Gridman is like, you know, Gridman is pretty cool, he also hasn't really done much besides advise you to fight Kaiju. Uh, but uh, getting into the actual performances, I'm not like super familiar with Brandon McInnes. Like, I mean, I've heard him in other things, but much like Seth and you, this is like my first time really seeing him in the spotlight. Uh, but uh, so far, he's been really pleasant to listen to. Uh, he makes you to he makes you to come off as you know unassuming and awkward, out you know feeling like a totally bland blank slate. And uh, all his delivery for the transformation sequences feels pretty on point for a Saturday morning cartoon, and I mean, I, I like him. I mean, I'm certainly very intrigued to find out more about him, and I I like all of his interactions with uh, Sho and Rika. I think those are pretty fun. Uh, similarly, uh, going into Robert McCollum as Green Man, um, again, he hasn't really gotten to do all that much that could really make me evaluate his performance beyond he sounds cool, but I mean, hey, Robert McCollum has a cool voice. And I know from experience that he's a very reliable actor, so, I mean, I know he'll be able to deliver on something when the time comes. I just hope that time comes very soon. I mean, like, I kind of wish I had something stronger to say about these two performances, but for now, I like their place in the ensemble here if they aren't, like, the most interesting part of it for me. So, I hope they get to say that more, but I like them so far. Okay. Uh, Jamal? Before I get into talking about these two, can we talk about how, like, Yuta just transforms into Gridman, like, he does this little pose that says Access Flash, and if, if, if you ever see Power Ranger CEO, it looks exactly like the Morphin pose from there. <laughs> Damn, you're kind of right. It does! Yeah, it does. Anyway, back on topic. Uh, Brandon, I, I, Brandon did a pretty good job, even if Yuta doesn't talk as much, you know, like, because obviously the main focus would be his relationship between him and Gridman, so, to which Gridman, Robert McCollum is, uh, is a very fine actor, like, he, he handles Gridman very well, he manages to make his voice sound stoic and authoritative, and I also learned the other day, because, you know, when you act, voice acting, sometimes you move with your hands to emulate motion, I think Cliff put picture on his Twitter of him holding his little samurai caliber sword from where he had as a kid. And I thought that was a pretty neat touch that Robert incorporated into Gridman because, you know, it makes him really feel like he was in the role. Granted, granted these two characters don't talk much until the time comes, which is odd for protagonists, I really thought he did a, a very good job. Yeah. Uh, Andrew? Um, yeah. 
the, it is kind of unfortunate that like the technical leads are the ones I have the least to say about. But that being said, I do very much enjoy the performances both give. Uh, Robert McCollum as Gridman is this very heroic Super Sentai figure, larger than life, very much like words of wisdom. I also love how he's being very motivational when all this dumb teenage drama stuff is like, remember to never <laughs> give up the fight in the face of adversity. And like, just, that was just very swell the way he d commands himself. And Yuta is very much more of a lost puppy main character, amnesiac character. So there's not much to him. But that being said, Brandon does a really solid job of making him like, this lost kid who is also like sort of in a rom-com action mystery setting which is all sounds like kind of weird but it's very interesting and i like there's a lot of mystery to this world and i think you whatever the deal is with utah i am still very compelled to learn how or what it is and i think he does a good job i think both robert mccollum and brandon do a solid tag team Sentai duo to save the world and fight all of the poor CG looking monsters. Okay. Uh, yeah, I I think Brandon McInnes did a, is doing a really good job as Zuta, uh, and basically the he's basically just like a team. Like I I, I really appreciate that and. Like, it's, it's similar to Tsukigaki Ray, where I just really appreciated Roman for just being there. And I mean, I mean, I guess Roman kind of had that weird hot-for-teacher thing going on, but... Yeah, let's not speak of that. But, um... <laughs> like, I, I just really like the fact that Brendan McInnes, like, plays Yuta as, as a kid. First and foremost, and, like... He is a bit of a blank slate, but there's, like, I I am kind of intrigued to figure out what else there is to him. And Robert McCollum as Gridman, like, I, I really like the, the stoic, heroic kind of bravado he gives. And, like, the, the, the scene where he's kind of awkwardly giving dating advice without knowing he's giving dating advice, like, that's great. And, um, yeah, I, I did see the, uh, the pictures of Cliff giving Robert the, the, the Gridman sword from, from his childhood to, to play around with in the booth. And, like, that's, that's really cool and a really nice throwback. I do feel kind of bad that, like, the main protagonists, like everybody else, are the characters I have the least to say about. But really, I I appreciate Brandon's performance kind of blending into the background. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Especially with a character like Yuta, who's who basically, until he's needed to summon Gridman, blends in. He's probably one of the most inconspicuous kids that you could think of to be this giant kaiju fighting hero. So, like, the both of them did a really good job, and, like, yeah, thumbs up, guys. Alright, so, uh, Jet, are you ready to start us off for final thoughts? 
Okay, um, so, uh... Okay, so after sitting through that other Trigger Mecha show this year, um, I wasn't, like, super excited for this one, but, um... Okay, but enough about it seemed intriguing enough that I figured I would give it a shot, and, uh... Fortunately, that intrigue has, uh, paid off so far. Uh, this has felt like a really fun love letter to Tokusatsu shows for, like, what little I personally know about those. Uh, while also having like a ground and enough tone to make me feel like it might end up being something more and more ambitious than that, which could certainly be fun. And uh, the dub has definitely helped a lot with that so far. Uh, it's been really strong with a mix of, you know, really good natural sounding performances for our team leads. And uh, campier ones for the Tokusatsu characters like the uh, Neon Genesis High Schoolers or um, Alexis. Uh, time will tell, you know, if this show ends up sticking to landing, but for right now, it's, uh, definitely the strongest thing the Fallout had to offer for me so far, and, uh, the dub has definitely helped play into that, so it's good stuff. Okay. Uh, Jamal? Yeah, I'm really liking this show, like, I guess if you had to put it in tokusatsu terms, the way to think about it is this. Uh, Gridman is kind of in a sense Ultraman, whereas Donnegan the Franks is like Power Rangers Megaforce. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It. Off, yeah. And if you see Megaforce, you know exactly what yeah. I mean. Yeah, I understand that reference. Mm. But yeah, I, I think it, I think what Cliff's done here is pretty solid so far. If, if I had any real concerns about the the dub or the show in general is that the way the show it's pacing itself i mean it's like it's it's blowing this digital download like i'm worried about where this story is gonna go the way they introduce all these new characters at the beginning so it's like i'm, I'm getting a little concerned for that for myself i'm not gonna make any speculations because i'm not gonna give him the satisfaction of being smug because only he knows the answer to this but i just like Jed, i too hope this show sticks to landing the dub is doing a very good job of that so far. I have high expectations of you, Cliff. And you too, Clayton, because y'all have been doing very good so far. So, I'm not going to pretend and say, like, I'm a Trigger fanboy or anything more at this point. Like, they've done good things I really like. They've done things I also don't like it too. Simple as that. That being said... Like, I was a little cautious going into Gridman at first, but I've really grown attached to the show that is Gridman. It is, it is a strange world of mystery that I don't understand where it's going to lead to, but in just a few episodes, it has endeared me to its cast of characters, its strange world... And it's really awesome, like, compelling tokusatsu fights and moments. It, it feels like this is a Saturday morning show at heart, while simultaneously also trying to show something else. I, it makes me nervous that I am afraid it's not going to stick the landing, which is totally fair and valid, but I've gotten quite engaged and gotten along with the show. Like, I believe the world and its characters would act like this, and I'm pretty impressed for the most part. Like, Clifford and company are doing a splendid job with the dub. Like, some of the strongest stuff I've 
heard from the fall season, though there's a couple more I definitely plan to check out. And there's some really compelling characters and performances that really, really impressed by. So... I found out about this show when it was announced, AB, or, um, Anime Expo, I want to say it was like a year or two ago. And, you know, Trigger as a studio is hit or miss. Like, there are things I really liked from it, like Kill a Kill, and there were things that most certainly did not impress me in the slightest, like um, when supernatural battles become commonplace. Wait, what? I forgot that was a trigger show, yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Yo, you didn't know? Hell no! Uh, yeah, the, uh, uh, no, that, yeah, that was just like the one... That was the one time... I, I don't know that if they... That was the even, one and only time I, I think they did a light novel adaptation. Yeah, I don't think they've done the adaptions of literally anything since... Uh, okay, well, no. Hey, you just blew my fucking mind right now, man. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, I... <laughs> Yeah, that, that was, was Trigger. But, um, in any case, like, they're a very hit-or-miss studio for me, and basically the only reason I was really hyped for Gridman was the fact that I did actually have knowledge of Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. Which, by the way, in case you didn't know, the the four S's in the name, you know. Superhuman, it's a reference to that, which I thought was a very Connect cute Connect the dots. But which I thought was a nice touch, and that that endeared me to to the show a little bit before it before it actually came out, and I I really have to say the dub for it, it's it's really nice. It feels it feels right, and that that kind of that kind of reaction takes a lot of work on the back end, like. Not just the actors, not just the director, not just the scriptwriter, but like the engineers, the the marketing team working on the show, like all of it has kind of hit in the right way, and I I really I'd really like to see where this is going. I I like the designs of the kaiju ranging from like long neck dinosaur to spaceman fish to to gritty <laughs> um but yeah the uh the characters feel natural the 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 camera camera work and set design is all great uh the dub is spectacular and um yeah i I really hope the the show sticks to landing, and that would basically be what it would take for me to recommend it to someone. But for now, it's it's really fun, and like I I would I guess I would recommend people check out the first couple episodes, and I really hope like the ending is something that we that would actually make the show memorable for years to come, sort of like. Sort of like Ava, you know? I I really want something of that caliber to to come out of, like, alum from that show. Mm. I, I'm not... I think that's a bit of a high stretch, but... Yeah! At the very, I mean, at the very least, 
yeah, if this show can like stick a solid landing in regards to like character action story, I'm excited to see what it can do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I mean, if nothing else, I hope it can at least it sticks a landing enough that it'll be like, what is a good mecha show from Trigger, and I can point to this and not the other one. <laughs> I like I said, I, I'm not going to spend this entire thing shitting on Frank because I know people do like it and stuff. It's just. Okay, 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 I, I know why. I, 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 uh, and if you're not a fan of the service, make sure you cancel before that trial ends, or they will charge you. Uh, the subtitle version is on Crunchyroll. Uh, that is, I believe, six ninety nine now. Yeah. Okay. And same deal: two week free trial. Cancel if you don't like it. You know. Unfortunately. At the time of recording, um, Verve would be an option, but unfortunately, by the it time this be. goes, by the time this episode goes up, um, the Funimation and Crunchyroll split will have happened, and the dub of Gridman will no longer be available on the service. But yes, go watch it on Funimation now. That's where you can see the dub. If you want to see the sub of it, it is still over on Crunchyroll. Yeah, I'm. I'm not exactly sure if the if the split will affect the subtitle version. Probably not. All right, so um, I guess that's the end of the episode. Um, you, if you are interested in anything that we do, um, head on down below and hit the subscribe button if this is on the YouTube feed. You can also find us on Twitter at. Uh, dub top podcast and we also have a tumblr and instagram of the same name and a twitch and a twitch, and a twitch that uh occasionally gets used for like like um and for game streams and stuff we're still figuring it out but we have yeah. one and we use it sometimes yeah and um well you can find the four of us on the internet so um jet where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, username Jet Infinity, where I will, you know, usually be talking about anime, manga, that sort of thing. Uh, you can also occasionally find me on my blog, Animation Infinity, where I will occasionally write stuff. And uh, yeah, so stop on by, you might have a good time. All right, um, Jamal, where can we find you? I'm on Twitter, Jamstar529. I'm on YouTube at Jamstar1. I have a blog. I don't know why I keep talking, but I'm not doing anything with it right now. Um, I'm the assistant editor for this podcast. Uh, it's pretty much it. Uh, as for me, my name is Andrew, otherwise known as... Uh, MangaMan9000 on Twitter or Classy Spartan, and you can find me over as a moderator for Funimation forums and Discord, as well as a 
as well as another podcaster for Surreal Resolutions Anime Podcast ONA alongside Jet here. Okay, and um, you can find me on Twitter at Roots of Justice. Uh, mainly just retweet cute animal pics and sometimes talk about general fandom stuff, anime, cartoons, movies, you know, that deal. Come on down, you might have a good time. And um, my blog is um, Roots of Justice Anime Time Blog Show And um, I plan on having some stuff started up probably by the end of the month. So look forward to that. Cool. Yeah, excited to read that. Cool. Uh, All right. Yep, that is the end of the show. Um. Thank you all for tuning in. God, I'm I'm so tired. I can't think of a, a witty quip here. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, I guess uh, go turn off that TV and go play outside. <laughs> <laughs> Kick some gigabyte. Make sure to always check your junky TVs. They could have a superhero inside. Keep of it. it downloaded. <laughs> mm-hmm. Otaku on there, Debas. Access dub talk. And cut.